All right, what's happening, everybody? It's Daniel D. with A Ghost in the Machine, the podcast. And the title of this episode is You Are What You Remember. Um, it's Wednesday, September 6th, 2023. This is episode, I believe, 24 of this great podcast. It's so illustrious. So many great episodes. I've lost count. I think it's episode 24. Anyway, I'll correct that uh, in the show notes if I'm wrong. Um, and as I said, title of the episode, you are what you remember. I'm going to discuss the theme of memory and identity through the lens of the movie by Christopher Nolan from the year 2000, the movie Memento, which is a great movie. Christopher Nolan, you know, some of his movies are hit or miss. Sometimes they're a bit clunky and, you know, I don't know how well they work. I hear Oppenheimer's like that. It's like three and a half hours long and I've heard different things about it. So I'm not sure that I'm going to see it in a theater. I'll probably wait on that one till I can stream it at home just in case, you know, but, um, you know, some of his movies work better than others. And then when he's great, he's great. You know, he's, um, Memento is a great movie. Also the movie Inception. I really like that one. Um, he, you know, the, the things with Christopher Nolan is so a lot of times you got these abstract kind of surreal concepts that are, are involved in the movie. And, maybe some interesting plot devices. And so it's one of those things that can be hard to pull off. And if you pull it off, it works great. If you don't pull it off, it's, it's like kind of clunky. So anyway, but in the movie Memento, it really, he really pulls it off. Well, one of the things is the movie's only an hour and a half long. So as opposed to Oppenheimer, I think it's like three and a half hours. So yeah, obviously an hour and a half is easier to keep things compact and concise and, you know, not have too many loose threads that, you have a hard time tying it all together in um the movie memento i'll give you a brief synopsis as best i can uh spoiler alert well there will be some spoilers probably but the good thing is the movie bears multiple viewings i've seen it a few times now you know dating back to when it first came out it's uh certainly holds up you know seeing it i saw it again recently and really enjoyed it just as much this time around if not more than I, when I'd seen it in the past. Um, and it's also available to stream for free woohoo, uh, on Tubi. So I'll put a link to the to that in the show notes as well. So you can stream the movie. You just have With Tubi, I think you just have to watch some ads. But you can do it for free. But, you know, it's one that I would say is worth getting on DVD, you know, for future reference. Because it's, like I said, a great movie and bears multiple viewings. But, again, you can watch it for free on Tubi. Uh, so I'll put a link to that. Um, and so if you've seen the movie, some of my analysis, you know, may make more sense. If you haven't seen it, I'd recommend watching it. Um, but I'm not, I'm going to talk about the movie, but only as an excuse to talk about these themes and then how they relate to, uh, life on a personal level, on a social slash political level and on a cosmic spiritual yeah, man, like, you know, trippy kind of <laughs> level, kind of out there a little bit. They'll get a little weird, but I'll try to keep it nice and concise. So let me stop rambling and get to the synopsis of the movie. Now, the movie Memento came out in the year 2000, directed by Christopher Nolan. It stars some of the stars that you'll recognize. Guy Pierce, I don't know what else he was really in. Um, he's the main character, or plays the main character. Uh, Carrie Ann Moss, 
Um, of course, you'd recognize her from The Matrix. Joe Patolioni. I'm not Italian, so I'm probably butchering the name. Uh, he also was in The Matrix. Um, Carrie Ann Moss, of course, played Trinity. Joe Patolioni played... Um, Ah, what was his name? Cypher? Well, he was the character that was the the traitor in The Matrix. The one that gave up Morpheus to the agents in exchange for like being able to be reinserted in The Matrix and eat steak whenever he wanted and all that. Uh, but then he wound up getting killed in The Matrix. So, yeah, he's that guy. And then Carrie Ann Moss, of course, being Trinity. Um, they are the main cast. There's others that you may recognize. Um, but anyway, so here's kind of the synopsis is and just to give you an idea too with it being Christopher Nolan you know the plot is 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 uh, depicted in not the most straightforward way but it works okay so there's two timelines or two chronologies one is in color and it's going backwards so it's told out a sequence but it's like in reverse um, and then there's a black and white segments and they're interspersed together so it's, yeah it's like Quentin Tarantino you know the out of sequence but the black and white is told in chronological order, uh, and it's flashbacks. So it's like the flashbacks are in black and white, and they're in chronological order. Then the um, color sequences are in reverse order, and they converge at the end. And then it's like, ah, oh, it all snaps into place, or at least that's the idea. So basically, Leonard Shelby is the main character, played by Guy Pierce. He has anterograde amnesia. He can form no new short-term memories. He had suffered a terrible injury during a, I guess it was a home invasion. I don't know if it was a robbery or what. But, uh, yeah, a couple of junkies invaded his home and were, you know, raping his wife or doing something to his wife. And he, you know, wakes up and, you know, he shoots one of the robbers or home intruders but he doesn't see the other one who hits him from behind and then, th- you know, kind of throws him or pushes him headfirst into a mirror on the wall. So anyway, he suffers this injury to his head and uh, after that is unable to form new short-term memories. So he remembers everything up until the incident, the injury. And then after that, he can form no new short-term memories. And I guess you know, that would mean he can't form any long-term memories either. So he basically doesn't remember anything after that. And he, he organizes his life as a system worked out with like uh, cards that he writes to himself, notes. He takes Polaroid photos of everything and uh, writes on the, you know, photos. Um, you know, that's how he keeps track of who's who and what's what. And um, even then the really important facts, he gets tattooed on his body. So, that's kind of how he keeps track of things. And his overriding mission in life is to get revenge on the the second home invader who maybe got away. Um, you know, the, this mysterious John G. He's trying to track this John G. guy down for, you know, the guy who was responsible for his own lost memory and for the death of his wife. And, you know, so he, and he has, um, I'm not really clear totally on whether he's a real cop or just says he's a cop, you know, but uh, anyway, Joe Patolioni's character, Teddy is the nickname, legal name, John Gamble, John G, that becomes significant. Um, Teddy is uh, trying to help him find John G and track him down and, 
you know, so he can kill him. But of course, as you discover, this Teddy character is not altogether reliable or trustworthy, and maybe he's manipulating Leonard for his own ends and trying to get him to kill the wrong person or kill people that, you know, again, for his own purposes. And at some point, he kills, um, which, again, this is... I'm giving this to you kind of in sequence, but when you watch the movie, as I said, there's two timelines, so some of this will be revealed in a different way in the movie. But he he kills... uh, One of the people he kills is this uh, drug dealer who, you know, and who is the boyfriend of Carrie Ann Moss's character, Natalie. So Natalie comes into the story because she figures out kind of what's happened. She figures out how to use... Uh, this you know Leonard Shelby character without the memories how to manipulate him into getting back at Teddy and but also taking out somebody that she doesn't like so you got different people using and manipulating this character who can't form new short-term memories who's relying on you know things that he's able to write down or photos he's able to take or facts that he gets tattooed on himself so he relies on written records to make sense of the present and know what to do. And he's got people that are giving him false information, a false framing of events, you know, false context, false uh, narrative, whatever. And, you know, the, the again, it's a, it's an interesting movie, interesting the way uh, Christopher Nolan plays with these themes. But if you've seen the movie, and I encourage you to do so, it's interesting to use that as then a springboard to think about the idea of memory in general and how it relates to our identity, who we are. I mean, you think about everything, you know, in terms of what goes into your identity and here, I guess maybe it's, you know, I don't want to spend all year talking about that from a philosophical angle and never get any solid tangible answers. But just when you think about what you identify as or identify with or the, ego the you know it i don't know whatever you call it the 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 narrator of your life experiences whatever that label you want to give it you know all the things that go into that your story arc you know for your life your telos whatever you think of as your end you know whatever it is that your objective is in life or what you you feel like is ultimately going to give meaning to your life your own sense of yourself as a character in that story arc, you know, or your being in the world, your beliefs, your values, your relationships, your experiences, all those types of things. You know, things that really heavily contingent on your memory of your past, you know, to make sense of the present. I mean, there's a whole thing in uh, George Orwell's 1984, the famous quote, uh, he who controls the present controls the past and he who controls the past controls the future. So, you know, how do you make sense of the present through your memories of the past and also the records of the past that you might have, audio, visual, um, written records, things like that. And, of course, as happens in 1984, those can be fabricated. You know, in the case of 1984, there's the uh, comrade Ogilvy that is fabricated and brought into existence by, you know, the Ministry of Truth that Winston Smith works at. You know, so somebody who never existed is like created through archival 
you know, newspaper clippings and things like that. And, you know, all these awards and citations he was supposed to get for bravery and battle and all that. And, um, so this is 1984, sorry for mixing and matching so many different stories here, but, uh, you know, so you have somebody who's created people believe this comrade Ogilvy existed because they're able to read, you know, uh, encyclopedia entries about him or archived, you know, uh, newspaper coverage or whatever. So somebody that didn't exist now is believed to have existed. Meanwhile, just like in the Soviet Union, people that are enemies of the state are rubbed out of existence, you know, eliminated from photographs and, you know, the records of them are rewritten to exclude them. You know, so basically it's like the past is always changing in 1984 or in the Soviet Union or maybe even in America today. Um, you know, but how do you make sense of the, the present? Well, you got your memory of, of it. You got these records and these records are subject to manipulation. Um, so in, in the movie, you know, there's a, a point where, you know, Leonard Shelby... Uh, the main character he comes back and you know he's he realizes he's he's just done something violent to this person this other character dodd who uh natalie carrie ann moss's character has manipulated him into attacking or getting rid of or whatever and he's like she's explaining it to him this is why you did it you know you know you saw what he did to my face and you know there's a story there um where actually in the as you learn later she there's this particularly dramatic scene where she you know gets hit she she antagonizes him to the point that he lashes out hits her and then she says i'm gonna fucking use you and i'm gonna enjoy it all the more because you you can't stop me because you're such a freak you can't remember this you know, she had taken beforehand all the pens so he couldn't write down what was happening, what she had said to him. And, you know, she's telling him what she's going to do. I'm going to use you. I'm going to manipulate you into doing this. And then later on, of course, she does it. And, uh, you know, he at one point when he is trying to make sense of this and he, he feels like something's not right, he's like, you know, I get the feeling that somebody's fucking with me. You know, this just doesn't feel right. And, you know, she's telling him, trying to reassure him, like, trust yourself, trust your own judgment. You can question everything. You can never know anything for sure, right? So just trust what you feel inside, right? Like, and, but what he feels inside is being manipulated actively by her. Um, you know, and you think about that in terms of today's world and how much of what we think we know is based on narratives that really were being created long before we were born in many cases, you know, I mean, these narratives like just get developed over time, but why do things happen the way that they do? You know, a lot of times, I, you know, thinking for myself, like uh, lately, one of the things I've been digging into is the rabbit holes you can go down once you start questioning the narrative about World War II, World War One, Civil War, some of these you know, pivotal moments in world history and American history that, you know, I had speaking as an American who grew up, you know, um, in the eighties and nineties, uh, you know, form a view of, but where did that view come, come from that? This is how it happened. And this is what it means. And this is the lessons for us today. These were the good guys. These were the bad guys. 
you know, and at this point, I'm not going to argue one way or the other about what the correct view is because I really don't know. The more I learn, the more I'm kind of like, well, okay, so there's multiple bad guys in this story, you know, who maybe there isn't a good guy. Maybe there's just, you know, and that's one of the things is like in, in war, you don't have friends, you have allies or ad hoc, you know, alliances, non-aggression packs, and then, you know, people turn on each other or whatever. But, you know, in the story of World War Two, World War One, even the Civil War, maybe there's not a good, good guy, a good side, a virtuous side. Certainly, you know, I think there's a meme with uh, the comedian, God rest his soul, uh, Oh fuck! What's his name? Norm Macdonald. How did I forget his name? Speaking of memory, uh, Norm Macdonald. So Norm Macdonald. There's a meme where where he's he's got a book and the meme says, you know, I was reading the history books and it says the good guys won every war. What are the odds of that? You know, it's like yeah, the good guys are undefeated in war. Yeah. Well, of course, history is written by the victors, and you know the victors get to tell it from their point of view and make themselves look like good guys and yeah sometimes maybe it works out that way you know i i think looking at world war ii i mean i'm certainly not on the side of the axis powers you know i don't wish they had won i don't think that would have been a good thing but the allied powers certainly were not the you know moral angels that they you know have made themselves out to be you know in the history that was has been written of that era you know um so anyway, you know, you see that same thing in this movie. You see Leonard Shelby getting manipulated by uh, Natalie, the girl played by uh, Carrie Ann Moss. You see him getting manipulated by um, Teddy, the guy played by, um, you know, Joe Patolioni. And when the movie reaches this kind of climax, you realize he's lying to himself. You know, he's he's manipulated himself and kind of told himself things that he wants to believe and in order to make himself believe it you know he makes it part of his written records that he relies on his his record of the past you know he edits that carefully you know at times knowingly you know to later on remember a better version of the past or you know to give himself a purpose for what it is that he's going to be doing he's you know or to um right some perceived wrong but you know you realize like everybody in this story is lying and manipulating you know each, each other and even themselves and um but that's how we do it in life you know the whole concept of memory on a personal level i mean um you know the the false memories are very real you know it's it's um, amazing when you learn about that and then especially if you ever catch one yourself and you a lot of times people will have this with childhood right you'll think you remember something you think you remember you even have details that you remember oh i remember this and, and then you know you realize maybe you, you tell talk about it and you're you're you oh, I remember when this happened you bring it up and you know it didn't happen the way that you thought it did you know and maybe you're talking at a family gathering and, and you know you, and you realize or your parents you know tell you you know well that actually was a little different and this happened it was at this place and you know and then you can go look at uh you know family album with the photos and see oh yeah it was different or or whatever right and people will you but you will believe it and think that that's how it happened you think that it went down this way you know eyewitness testimonies notoriously unreliable 
because people are very suggestible, especially immediately after a trauma, you know, you're, while things are still fresh, it's like, you know, people will form, especially based on prompts that they may get, you know, their memories can be basically contaminated and, and they'll create a memory, you know, because we, we don't like uncertainty. We, we want to give, you know, it, 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 you fill in the blank, so to speak. Right. So memory sometimes is an active or creative process. It's not just a static thing like this happened. Boom, you remember it and boom, you're able to recall exactly this is what happened and when. So your own memory can be kind of fallible or it can even be false and misleading. And certainly there's motivated reasoning that a lot of times will kind of highlight certain facts and diminish you know, de-emphasize other facts. And that goes for things that you remember. You'll remember things a certain way that maybe, you know, agree with or support what it is that you want to do. You know, so really, I just say, on a personal level, not on a cultural level, of course, and I mentioned this with 1984, you know, um, how the past, the record of the past can be used to manipulate people, you know, into adopting a belief system into practicing you know certain aspects of a lifestyle that somebody wants them to do and so it's like you know how to do that well if you form a cultural narrative and reinforce that with a doctored or constructed historical record you know you're able to really powerfully influence people in terms of what they think about themselves, what they think about the world, what they want, what they see as being possible for themselves or desirable. Um, You know, and there's two ways that this can happen. And of course you you see both in this movie Memento, but both I think are things that happen in real life. Uh, One is of course the past can just be doctored like in 1984, you know, you can have, what and in 2023 america right you can have yeah we're just gonna stop indexing this you know these web pages because they don't make the current narrative look so good so we're just gonna like if you search for this term on google or as i've noticed duckduckgo is now with the shit uh because i you know duckduckgo used to be kind of my go-to thing because they got the privacy features that google doesn't have supposedly and they uh give you more unbiased results well that's kind of changed lately just try duck duck going some phrases like to do with the pandemic or you know pick your your controversial topic so i guess now what yandex.com maybe the russians are (laughs) i don't know but of course they're they got their own agenda so who do you go to for you know basically the card catalog of the world wide web you know any search engine you use, it seems like you can't even get one that's going to give you a straight, you know, set of answers. So anyway, um, history being rewritten. So you got the history, historical records, you know, some things about the fact about the past, maybe emphasized to appear to have a greater importance or significance than they did, you know, other stuff that would be valuable for, you know, understanding the context of those events are de-emphasized or suppressed or just, you know, censored whatever um there's also the present lies that are told that get 
put into the historical record. So, you know, and, and I'll give you an example of this. Uh, Justin Trudeau, when he gave his speech about the Canadian trucker convoy, the protest, and one of the things today is you can see in real time there's so much more access to information. So people were live streaming from the trucker protest, you know, uh, and lots of people were. So you can go on basically almost any social media platform at the time and see but people were just live streaming so and not so it's not just carefully doctored edited cherry put cherry picked footage like these are hours upon hours of people walking around you know showing everything so you can see this is what's going on in real time and you see that it bears no resemblance whatsoever to anything that Justin Trudeau said and Justin Trudeau characterized the trucker convoy in one way. And then you see the reality through all of these people live streaming it. And it's totally different. And you say, okay, Justin Trudeau's obviously lying, you know, which wasn't a surprise by this point, you know, in the pandemic. Um, but you see how, you know, the, the powers that be will just tell a lie that is just so contrary to reality. Right, they can't get away with it as easily now. Partially because I think they're more retarded than they used to be. The elite, the elite ruling regime, whatever, they don't seem as competent as they used to be. You know, uh, certainly you look at Joe Biden. Right, the dude can't even remember the lies that he's supposed to tell half the time. <laughs> it's clearly not running the show. You got Mitch McConnell. You know, freezing up, glitching out. If he's a robot, I don't know if he's a human anymore. <laughs> I say half seriously. Now, Mitch McConnell, right? He's, he's giving speeches and he just stops middle of everything and just stares and nothing happens. And then his aides are like, oh, okay, do you have anything else you want to say, Senator? Okay, I guess not. Well, we're just going to cart you away and pretend like this didn't happen. You know, and you got uh, Diane Feinstein, you know, she's like, it, it, there, there's a vote in the Senate and they come around to her and she starts rambling about something and then her, you can hear her aides audibly telling her just say i just say i right so you know these people aren't even running the show um so maybe there's there's that they're they're more incompetent than they used to be uh and less able to lie convincingly than they were in the past that's certainly possible you know certainly bill clinton was a better more skilled liar than joe biden but you know same with george bush same with uh barack obama um so there's that, but there's also like the, all the access to information people have now, you know, like think about the Kennedy assassination, obviously the narrative around that, the official story was bullshit. Uh, in 2023, would they have been able to get away with the cover up that they got away with? No, you know, cause 1963, like you got Zapruder may, I don't know, maybe one other person besides Zapruder had a camera out that day, the a video camera to record video footage. Yeah, maybe a few people had their old Kodak cameras or Polaroids, you know, to capture the moment as the president's motorcade came by to snap a photo or whatever. But, you know, it's not like today where everybody has basically a supercomputer slash video camera slash, you know, internet connection, you know, in their pocket at all times. So anything that interesting that happens, they can, and of course now it's like you see these zombies basically. It's like, like Louis C.K. said, you know, you see people at a concert, their screens 
to their face. Like they're looking at the concert through their screen or they're looking at whatever's happening through their screen, you know, as they're video recording whatever's happening. And he's like, real life is happening in HD right in front of your face. Just put the phone down, you know, just watch what's happening. It's in HD, real life, you know. But people will be like holding their phones up. Anyway, but the thing is, is like in 1963, they didn't have that. So they're able to, and which is, here's the interesting thing. Uh, you can, on YouTube or other places, watch slash listen to the news coverage for the entire, CBS's broadcast, like the whole time from that day from when they're showing days of our lives to where they break in with the, you know, static, you know, placeholder saying, you know, new urgent news bulletin. And there's just audio saying, uh, there's this you know, terrible tragedy in Dallas, Texas president has been shot to when Walter Cronkite comes on and all that. Right. You can watch the whole thing now. And one of these you'll notice is the story is obviously bullshit that comes about a, afterward about lee harvey oswald right because initially the police announced you know the police are are looking for a suspect you know two suspects a couple a man and a woman who were observed on the grassy knoll where shots were fired according to witnesses you know and then at some point just randomly nothing previously has been said about oswald they're like oh the police got him it was a lone man who you know there's this whole story cooked up and you're like all right this is obviously bullshit but at the time Nobody had VCRs, so they weren't able to record this broadcast to then pick it apart later and say, wait a minute, this doesn't add up. Um, so, so anyway, now, of course, you know you have them lying there. It's harder for them to lie, plus they seem less confident. But think about the past. Kennedy assassination being an example. And there's all these conspiracy theories about uh, FDR and the lead-up to World War II uh, and Pearl Harbor. And, you know, you can keep on going back. And, you know, and, of course, the thing – stuff that gets declassified you learn like operation northwood like uh the joint chiefs of staff had approached kennedy with the idea of blowing up an american passenger jet and so they could blame it on the cubans and have an excuse to invade cuba right so it's like that kennedy said no maybe that's partially why he got assassinated when he did because he was kind of getting tired of the joint chiefs and the military industrial complex and the cia and all that but whatever point being you know how many lies have been told in the present that became part of the written record or historical record afterward how many you know newspaper headlines for example because now you want to figure out what happened in 1910 you you know maybe dig through the microfilm and you find the newspaper you know the archives of the newspaper stories well you know if those newspaper stories at the time were based on lies being told by the powers that be you know some kind of scripted narrative you're just getting the lies you know it's just not like you can just go by what they say you know so understanding the past is is you know problematic um so now when you look at the the culture that we live in and how we're making sense of things. Um, here's the interesting thing. I would say, if you've seen the movie, uh, here's my take. You can disagree with me. Natalie, Carrie Ann Moss's character, she represents the DNC, that contingent. Uh, Teddy, got Joe Petolioni's character in Memento, the crooked cop. Or maybe he's not a cop. I don't know. Uh, he represents the GOP. You know, we're Leonard Shelby, like lying to ourselves, but also being manipulated by 
these two forces into having these, you know, basically being used, weaponized, if you will, in terms of overused these days, but weaponized in terms of our anger, our resentment, our feeling of like, wow, this has been done to us, this is a horrible injustice, and, you know, you've got this narrative that tells us who to hate and why and, you know, what we should do. And it's like, uh, you know, taking a step back, and I, I'm saying this to myself, I got to take my own advice here, you know, take a step back and question those things. Uh, you know, who's kind of behind all of this, the stuff, the, the story that we tell ourselves about the world and ourselves and what's going on. Um, and then there's the spiritual cosmic level, which is going to sound weird, but it's the whole idea of reincarnation, which, you know, I'm not going to try to attempt to prove because I don't know how you really could. Although there's been some interesting stuff come out about research by, uh, I think the university of Virginia, but you can Google this and, you know, for whatever that's worth. There's a series on Netflix, Life After Death or whatever, and one of the episodes involves this um, researcher from the University of Virginia. But he's written a few books with his, his stuff. Um, you know, or basically they t- they, they're kids that report, you know, memories of a different life. And sometimes the, the parents are like, oh, that's wild. They, you know, somebody hears about it and tells him you should contact this researcher. So anyway, they'll, then he'll interview the kids. Well, what do you remember? And uh, then try to track down real-life people and see if they can find a match. And sometimes they're able to find you know a real-life person that seems to match the details of what the child says they remember. And so then they go back to the, the child with other details, maybe the, like photos, things like that, You know, some pertaining to the person, some not, to see if the kid is like accurate and so the kid will then select you know oh yeah this looks familiar or this doesn't and uh, anyway just some evidence there that seems to suggest at least some uncanny coincidences if it's not reincarnation or i'm not sure what it is but anyway significant number of the world's indigenous cultures and religions have believed in reincarnation and of course they do in the east hindus buddhists uh but even if you look at the bible you can make an argument that that belief was there and later kind of got suppressed but whatever so we're just talking about reincarnation suppose it exists just take for the sake of argument that it exists that's kind of a form of if you have like this spiritual uh, this dimension of your existence that you're not able to remember because it happened before your birth and even when you talk about your life you know as a human being in this incarnation Right, you don't even remember the first few years of it. Your memories are sketchy. You know, you're kind of relying on, you know, maybe pictures of things people tell you, but just spiritually, right? If there's this bigger context to our existence, and especially if we're reincarnated and there's some kind of memory wipe, which there's a, a guy Howdy McCoskey who I've been kind of getting into a little bit, just because he's interesting. Lately, uh, he's written a book most recently, uh, Escaping the Cave, in which he uses Plato, the Plato's cave allegory. Um, he kind of talks about that, you know, but he, he takes it for granted that, you know, reincarnation is a thing. Um, so it's interesting, you know, to read. And then he's got a YouTube channel, Howdy McCoskey Talks, and I think he's on Locals now. Uh, so anyway interesting person but yeah it was one fact that he kind of makes something out of or it was like a clue 
about our existence. He's like, he, he, he takes reincarnation to be real. And then says like, what does that mean that we're basically like, you know, Westworld robots, like, you know, with memory wipes where we can't remember what happened before. Like, why is that? And he draws one set of conclusions. Um, I can think of other conclusions that could be drawn from that, but it's an interesting fact. And again, it's like, here we are making sense of things. Maybe there's dimensions of our own existence that precede our life here. And even if there's not, there's the first few years of your life that you don't remember. So your memory is really incomplete. Uh, Plus, you spend a significant amount of your life asleep when you're dreaming. And very rarely do you remember your dreams. So whatever's going on there, you don't remember. So there's all these things that influence you one way or the other. And then, of course, as we learned about the subconscious, a lot of stuff that goes on, you're only dimly aware of consciously you only be really become aware of it when you see its effects in your life and you're like why did i respond this way why did i why did this anger me and you really got to dig you know into like the deeper reasons you know so you know again on a spiritual or level there you say what does it mean that we we lack the memories you know then that leaves us to we're making sense of it using these records that have been given to us by who knows who originally came up with i mean for example the bible there's the whole idea that uh in the reign of king josiah who became king when he was eight years old so this is in the bible old testament uh he you know there's this reforms that take place during his reign you know one of the the high priests like discovers the law in the temple and people hadn't been reading the law they didn't they'd forgotten about it the law the tablets that the law was kept on were dusty and you know and just he found it in a corner of the royal library or wherever over the temple what you know so he finds the the law and then they're like oh we got to start following the law you know so that god doesn't smite us and of course god does smite them even during king josiah's life i don't think he i think he dies you know during battle right so anyway the attempts to live the law don't go very well i guess or don't get the result that they want but here's the thing it's like people will say you know what? He probably didn't find the law. That's probably when they wrote the thing down. When they, because there was this whole controversy, or maybe there were competing priesthoods. Because there were multiple priesthoods in ancient Israel, and there's, you know, multiple places you could go to worship and and all that different, you know. And so it's like one priestly cult decided, hey, we got this young king. Great time to, you know, make ours the official priesthood the official cult of uh, and and destroy the others you know so that people have to come to jerusalem to worship in the temple here you know so maybe they found maybe they wrote the law created a law then and then you know because the bible you start digging at it especially the old testament it's like uh, the threads start coming apart and then you're like well i think there's something there because again you know there's some certain stories certain parts of the bible that seem to me very valuable that have a lot of insight and the stories themselves really resonate on a deep level with me. You know, you know, this is the story of Jesus being the biggest example of that. Um, there's something about that, that if it isn't historically true, which I'm agnostic about, uh, it's true. It's saying something or conveying something true about us spiritually or us in terms of what type of creatures we are. There's something about that story that is so powerful that it's, you can't just write it off as like, ah, you know, some primitive superstition. 
Like there's something about it that's really deep and eternal, right? So, uh, I don't know, it was one of those things that I, I would like to believe certain aspects of it are true. Um, yeah, I have no way of proving that, you know, relying on imperfect historical records, relying on intuition, relying on things that people have written and said and commented on these things. So anyway, okay, what's the point of all this? You know, yeah, memory's faulty and oftentimes in, unreliable and incomplete. And then we have these records that we rely on to make sense of things that give us a narrative, that give us a sense of our place in this bigger story involving humanity, involving our civiliza- particular civilization, and involving our own lives, our families, and all that, right? So I guess the upshot is, one, watch the movie Memento. It's good and it's interesting and maybe it'll clarify some of these things. If you haven't seen it, you know, this will make a lot more sense to some of the stuff that I'm talking about. Uh, and again, I'll include a link to Tubi where you can watch it for free. So if, you, if you're a cheapskate uh, and there's nothing wrong with that, hey, life is expensive, especially under Bidenomics. Um, yeah, you, so you got no reason. It's free. So you can watch it. You got no reason not to. It's a great movie. Um and then just, the, you know, there's, so there's that. Then also, just think about these things in light of the story that you tell yourself. The way you understand who you are, what you're about, what your telos is, what the world is, what, you know. And I'm t- applying this to myself as well. I've been thinking about this a lot last few days, you know. It's just um, because, again, it's like we're we're easy to manipulate a lot easier than we like to believe because our memories and our knowledge and understanding of our, ourselves and the context in which we live is so incomplete. And it's, and again, it's so much of it. There's so many people that either one are lying, but to themselves on a, maybe a subconscious level, maybe they're not even aware of it. And we do this ourselves. Everybody does it. Everybody, you know, you, you're nobody, you know, you think your memory is, infallible i remember that it must have happened and then you find out and again studies with eyewitness testimony demonstrate this pretty conclusively that no your memory is not nearly as rely as infallible as you like to believe that it is and in fact that believing that it is infallible can really lead you astray because you can be really convinced of things that just ain't so um but then also i mean people lie people have uh, there's people out there that are no good that have no compunction about lying cheating and stealing and uh our government and our institutions seem to select for those people the academy you know so it's like yeah i mean and it seems like that's not anything necessarily new to our generation either as i mentioned the kennedy assassination you go back to world war ii and uh you know, the whole thing with FDR getting us into World War II and Wilson getting us into World War One, and, you know, this Spanish-American War, the, you know, the false flag attack on the main. I, you know, it's like, it seems like there's always, somebody's got an angle. When, and that's one of the things is, is uh, I mentioned this in the context of climate change, which I'll just say, I'm not trying to, if you listen to that podcast, if you read my post on climate change, I'm not somebody who's like, just, hey, we should just pollute the earth and whatever. I don't give a shit if companies want to save money by dumping toxic chemicals into the drinking supply of a community. No, I'm absolutely not with that. But I just noticed with this whole narrative today, present tense about climate change, all the people that are really advancing it, 
and really saying this is what we got to do to fix it they're all people that they have an angle and they're people who have lied who have a track record of getting stuff wrong lying cheating stealing you know like recently during the pandemic it's the same people that are like this is what we got to do this is why we got to do it Um, so okay so there's this it's okay to not know and it's okay to say i need more information i need more time to think about it don't pressure me into making a decision or committing to a cause or whatever right it's like a high pressure sales technique you know salesmen will try to convince you you got to make this deal this night this deal's not gonna be around tomorrow like you go to buy a car right they'll try to get you to sign that night this is special i can't offer this to you tomorrow right anytime somebody pushes pressure on you we're not saying you say no at some point you got to get a car right maybe uh you know but you just say Resist the tactic. When somebody's trying to, it's not that you do the opposite of what they tell you, because it's John Carter uh, from Postcards of Barstoom wrote a note or wrote a post about mimetic judo and not just reflexively saying, okay, you told me X, I'm going to do Y, you know, because then that makes you easy to manipulate because you're predictable, right? All I got to do if I want him to do Y is just tell him to do X and he'll reverse psychology, you know, so don't don't go that route, but just, hey, I'm not going to be pressured into anything. I'm going to wait. This isn't, you know, so as urgent as you're trying to make it out to be this whole crisis mode that we're supposed to live in now. We're just always supposed to, whatever it is, they say, oh my gosh, the sky is falling. You got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do that. And it's like, yeah, you know, that hasn't worked out very well so far. And if the, you know, obviously past results are no guarantee of future returns, but odds are somebody that lied to you yesterday is probably going to lie to you tomorrow. Uh, Anyway, just kind of be skeptical of all that. Just kind of detach a little bit. Um, I guess spiritual practices are important. I got to do more of that. Prayer, meditation, you know, some kind of form of reflection and, you know, contemplation away from the noise, disconnecting from getting out in nature a little bit, taking walks, you know. Also cultivating good people that will keep you honest and tell you when you're full of shit. (laughs) <laughs> that can be good and a variety of of uh of thoughtful people and here's a, one last thing so okay during covid this is a separate discussion so i won't get into it too much i realized pretty early on that i was getting stuff wrong and the people that i was paying attention to were getting stuff wrong in terms of their predictions in terms of their explanations and it's like all right well who's getting it right and that led me on a search to the people who were getting things right who were asking the right questions and seeming to arrive at the right conclusions and had a track record of either getting it right or when they got it wrong, it being the result of a good faith error and them being able to admit when they were wrong and explain what they learned and how they got it wrong. And that this is what I learned from this mistake, you know, without the need to always be right and to shut down any criticism is like no you can't ask questions you just must trust me follow the science or whatever right so anyway all that to say i'm trying to figure this out too and give yourself grace because hey we're all in this like smoke-filled gas-lit hall of mirrors you know trying to find our way around and you got people you know telling us incorrect information about the layout of the land and we're trying to navigate it and uh, doing the best you can. So anyway, all right, well go watch Memento links in the show notes. And if you're uh, listening to this on a podcast app and you haven't already subscribed to 
my Substack, go to a ghostinthemachine.substack.com. Link will also be in the show notes to that. Subscribe there so that you get emailed anytime I release new great correspondence in the form of written communication or podcast episodes. Uh, so I wish I guess you get podcast episodes if you're on a podcast app. You'll get alerted when there's a new episode. So, But you want, of course, get my written stuff too because uh, you know if i'm so great if listening to me is so great why deny yourself the privilege of reading what i write so anyway go to ghostthemachine.substack.com and subscribe there if you haven't already and if you have subscribed already you know well thank you very much <laughs> we're all in this together so let's just you know keep comparing notes and maybe we'll figure this out and again this is the ghost of the machine the title of this episode is you are what you remember Themes of uh, memory and identity in the context of the movie Memento. And uh, Wednesday, September 6th, 2023. Till next time, peace out, y'all.